Sustainable Journalism and Preserving the Fourth Estate. It's a special edition of the Perception Podcast featuring Trip Jennings of New Mexico in Depth. This is Tom Garrity and the Perception Podcast. This is a special episode of the Perception Podcast, this being the final one focusing on New Mexico First Forum's Sustainable Journalism, Preserving the Fourth Estate. The event takes place on Thursday at the University of New Mexico. Tickets can be purchased online through nmfirst.com. Today, I have a chance to speak with one of the event's honorees, Trip Jennings of New Mexico In-Depth. We've known each other in a variety of media settings, most of which revolve around politics and specifically the Roundhouse. Could you share with our listeners a little bit about your career path in the Fourth Estate? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I am originally from Georgia. Uh, that's where I grew up in the 60s and 70s. I, I'm an old newspaper guy. I started my career at my hometown newspaper, the Augusta Chronicle, uh, in the late 80s. And I grew up in Georgia in the 60s and 70s. And uh, I don't know how much you want me to go into this, but I, well, I couldn't put into words uh, like I can now. You know, growing up in that time and place taught me the power of the question of why are things uh, the way they are? Um, and so that kind of started me on my career path. Um, and then I moved to, to California where I covered uh, many sundry things back in the 90s. Uh, and then I took three years off to um, actually go to seminary. I have a master's of divinity and I had to read a lot of philosophy and theology and stuff, which might sound incongruous to folks uh, with journalism, but it actually was really a great preparation. Uh, I then moved from Atlanta where I got uh, where I spent three years. To Connecticut, where I reported on everything from the 9-11 terrorist attacks and anthrax to a governor who went to federal prison for corruption. Um, and so that was uh, that was all prolegomena. That was prologue to moving to New Mexico in 2005, where I uh, came here to report on Governor Bill Richardson and the legislature uh, for the Albuquerque Journal uh, in 2005. And... Um, and then in 2008, uh, I left there and, and was uh, started the New Mexico Independent, which seems like ancient history now. And it was 11 years ago, um, which was uh, New Mexico's first online newspaper where we, you know, kind of covered um, the roundhouse. But also there were a lot of big stories uh, at the end of the Richardson tenure and uh, scandals um, around investments and other things. Um and uh, after that, I went back to newspapers for a year and a half. And then in 2012, um, Heath Hauserman and I started uh, New Mexico in Depth, um, which is uh, it's kind of a long, uh, meandering route to where I am right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and this is great because I always have a chance to learn more about the reporters that I have a chance to work with in a variety of capacities. For some reason, I totally forgot or overlooked your master's in divinity. What, what a unique background you bring to journalism. It, it, it is, um, it was a, a very interesting, I have to say that it was somewhat of a, a personal thing. My mom is a Presbyterian minister. Um, but when you go into seminary, the one I went into, you read a lot of philosophy and theology and also history. Um, and frankly, when you read uh, about church history or theology, you, I, at least, coming, I was in journalism before I went to seminary, I actually did some reading about how the public sphere or the public commons actually developed out of the 1500s, the printing press and stuff like this. So 
Um, actually, <laughs> we're going to get around to journalism in the future or what we're going through right now. And that's it, it kind of helps give you context on how democracy is formed. Um, and, and also uh, a lot of journalism, uh, frankly, has at its core kind of not just legal questions, but moral questions related to society and you know, questions about uh, how do our re- how does our rhetoric uh, our values, rhetoric uh, about our values and how we live them in the real world, you know, how they are, that they align or they don't align. That's where great journalism sometimes comes from. And so, you know, seminary is kind of helpful, asking ethical, moral questions. It's definitely a unique perspective, and I, I think that's fantastic because, uh, well, anyway, we can talk more about that a little bit uh, yeah. here as far as how it has helped you in your career. Sure. Um, tell our listeners a little bit more about New Mexico in depth, and uh, what is it, what are you wanting to accomplish, and what are you accomplishing through this online news source? Well, we started in 2012. Um you know, I think both Heath and I, uh, Heath started in 2006 with his site. Um, I began online in 2008. I think we both realized um, throughout the years how r- really newsrooms were being diminished because the business model was not holding up for newspapers and others. Um, and so we had a chance to start New Mexico in depth. Uh, and it's a digital first, it's a data-driven uh, kind of investigative, nonpartisan news organization. And in, part of our mission is to fill in gaps in local news coverage, um, but we don't really produce daily stories or, or even weekly stories. We try to give talented journalists time to report deeply on, on subjects of intense interest to New Mexicans. Um, and some of those things have been like, um, you know, we focused on the behavioral health shutdown in 2013. We kind of, we had time to look into that deeply. Um, and we also reported on how climate change is affecting New Mexico. Um, um, and now we've kind of, we've evolved into now we're looking into public education and child well-being. And as you know, Tom, Judge Singleton's ruling in 2000. 18 really supercharged the conversation uh, around, uh, you know, how the state equitably parcels out resources for public school children. So that's something we're looking at. And we're also really focused on criminal justice and how government works, the roundhouse, you know, how, um, you know, how laws are made, but also how money and power, uh, how money influences politics, but how money and power sometimes find each other in the creation of lawmaking and regulations, that kind of thing. Well, and just, I know we're going to talk about this at the end of the podcast, but uh, can you tell our uh, listeners how they can find New Mexico in depth online? Surely. Um, you can go to NM in depth, one word.com. Pretty simple. NM in depth.com. It's one word. Uh, that's our URL. Or you can type into your you know, address bar, New Mexico. You can spell it out, New Mexico in depth, and that will take you to our site. Outstanding. Well, you are, will be receiving the first ever New Mexico First Award for Spirit of Journalistic Excellence. And for that, I say congratulations. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank um, you. What does that award mean to you, and what kind of message does this send about the future of news media? Well, you know, I have to say, Tom, it's humbling, uh, really. I know people probably say that all the time, but it's really humbling. It creates some pressure, frankly, this recognition. 
because I don't mind living below the radar. You know, I don't mind being the guy who um, uh, reporters are out front and whatnot. So it's humbling. Let me say that on a personal note. As for the message, um, I, I, this is not about myself, but that New Mexico first uh, chose to you know think about journalism in this way. I think it sends a message that people. I mean, beyond, beyond the journalism world, are really paying greater attention to journalism's role in, a, in democracy, um, specifically how it relates to helping foster deeper policy conversations. I mean, that, that's what they're into, um, you know, getting beyond the partisan politics into, um, you know, problem solving. Um, and I think good journalism the way I was brought up as a journalist at, at newspapers, that's that's my primary, that's how I think of myself, even though I spent a long time in, journal, in newspapers, is that, you know, journalism identifies a problem or whatnot and then writes about it and fosters a conversation around that. And in some ways, I, I think that there's, in the midst of this technological information revolution that we're going through, through social media, internet, um, people still need good vetted information, um, especially in democracies, so they can make better choices. And you know, I, I want to say that that journalism, um, you know, while imperfectly uh, has done this for a long time, um, I think th- that New Mexico First is paying attention to this is a signal that this is people are paying attention to journalism right now. Um, it is it is beyond what's going on in Washington. Uh, it is something deep and profound, and um, I think you just need good vetted information um, in a democracy so people can make better choices. And that's really kind of the you know providing people the choice or you know the opportunity to choose what their news source is and you providing the mm-hmm. value proposition behind that. I think one of the things that just as a user of your website, just to, you know, one of the folks one of the things that I notice is the editorial process. Um, you know, you have mm-hmm. some folks who have just a blog, and then you know th- that's typically no editorial process whatsoever. It's just somebody putting up thoughts and processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but New Mexico in depth, I find, really has that editorial process uh, with vetting and, and such. So you know, for me, that's that's one of the key things that I see. Uh, you know, with New Mexico in depth, is you all taking that leadership online uh, by incorporating a lot of that editorial process that you really developed. Uh, while you were in the traditional print media, right, that, yes, and I, I, it's even more important these days because there's just so much information flowing out there. Because everyone, t- Tom, you you've studied like everyone else. You are a, a very sophisticated consumer and producer, and but it, it's almost democratized information, and that that's that can be great and that can be dangerous. <laughs> so you yeah. need. Uh, you know, uh, and what I mean by that is 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 that you, you do need methodologies. You need to be able to go somewhere and believe and believe what you read that 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 at least that there is some process behind the fact checking and and at least trying to um, nail down the information. Yeah, I think that it's the uninformed and misinformed uh, perceptions or in, you know the, the consumers that really scare the daylights out of me. Because if they're out there armed with half truths, holy cow! Uh, yeah, yes, right. <laughs> so and, um, the the yeah, other awards right. that are being presented uh, 
uh, later this week included uh, bipartisanship, bipartisanship and civic leadership. And while bipartisanship is easy for most people to grasp, uh, the topic of balanced and objective coverage is sometimes manipulated by different media critics. Uh, what words, of, what, what do the words balanced and objective mean to you, and how is it reflected in New Mexico in depth? So um, but balanced and objective. So one thing I want to say, and, and hopefully the listeners, I'll try to unpack this a little. I, I sort of chafe at the word objective, and that's because I think of um, objective as in like a philosophically objective thing that you are outside some kind of system that you can report on like it's from an Archimedean point that, that you have this ability to assess things with almost like a godlike kind of sense. Uh, I would say impartiality is something that – and fairness that are very important. That's how I would define the, the journalistic process because um, we all have our come-froms as human beings, right? Uh, and we and, – and because journalistic outlets are institutions of human beings, they will have come-froms um, and orientations. Hopefully there are systems that um, – the, the process – Really, the journalistic process um, is is one that's set up that, that recognizes the, maybe the assumptions that people come with the journal, the reporters and editors. And please tell me if I'm getting way into the weeds. Um, this is but, pretty but, cerebral, but I but it's good. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, what I'm trying to say is 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 that we're all human beings, and we all come from in our life experiences. Uh, I, I said in my bio. You know, it's in New Mexico first. I grew up in the 60s and 70s in the Deep South. And my come from was like asking why are things the way they are? That's my kind of come from. And that's kind of a moral come from that I learned to ask that question um, when I was a, maybe a teen. And that's I see journalism and its mission as being one about speaking truth to power, perhaps maybe because I, I saw what I saw growing up mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, by impartiality, what I mean is, is, is that you, you know, you can have hunches about things or assumptions about how the world works or how, about how government officials make their decisions, but you've got a document. Um, you can't just go off half cocked and say they did this without really getting into it and asking the question of like, well, do we have proof? Um, or and also, what do they say? We found these documents. Um, so that's what I mean about impartiality and fairness. Being fair is a big thing too. Um, because I think Tom, that, um, being around for a while, I think that oftentimes partisan politics, uh, kind of wags the dog more and more these days. Um, um, in the sense that good information, um, it's hard to push through all that noise. Sometimes it's the signal noise, you know, ratio. Um, so I, I, I don't know if that was easy to follow. <laughs> that may have sounded a little incoherent it, there. It was. Well, it's always one of those questions that uh, will make some reporters just bristle. It's like balance, balanced, objective. What you know, and so, but yes. always, hopefully, brings out the best as it did here. So I, I appreciate your insights on that. Um, the, so the topic of the first forum is sustainable journalism and preserving the fourth estate. What does sustainable journalism mean to you? Um, well, uh, you know, we're a non, we're, we're a seven year old nonprofit. So it means something specifically to me, which is, you know, revenue streams for journalism. I mean, 
Um, so, so the specifically to New Mexico in depth, it's always about you know finding a, a revenue stream to help you know kind of keep the life work of New Mexico in depth going broadly uh, beyond New Mexico in depth or even nonprofit journalism. Um, you know, increase the, the the business model is is broken for many for many for profit and uh, legacy outlets out there. Um, I mean, you have some of the national folks, the New York Times, Washington Post. Um, they seem to be doing okay, but your people are starting. And I'm speaking primarily of newspapers because that's what I know. But I think mm-hmm. there are people out there in TV, you know, t- the TV world who would say the same thing. Um, there are some of the local newspapers across the country are in real trouble right now. The business model is broken, and so Sustainable is trying to figure out how to keep this very important. I would say integral function in a democracy working um, because it is a public service. How do you pay for that? Um, and that is the $64 billion question. Hmm. Uh, I think everybody, um, I've been in these conversations for seven years because I'm, I've led New Mexico in depth and I go to conferences. Everybody's trying to figure this out right now. Um, so sustainable journalism uh, is an incredibly important topic right now. Um, I'm not sure that anybody has has figured out how to make the model work. What is the new model? Uh, there are people like the New York Times and the Washington Post and others who um, are probably doing everything um, at the same time. You know, their their uh, subscriptions are up. Uh, they're still ads, but they're also kind of like spinning off um, sort of products that they sell. Um, it's all, all of the above. Um, so when I think of sustainable journalism, it is this broad conversation that's going on right now across the country. And frankly, it's going on in Europe, too, mm-hmm. um, and other places about how do you keep um, journalism afloat as we go through this massive revolution in technology and communications. So you've, you have a, a bit of life experience, you know, growing up in the South in the 70s and the 80s, having the mm-hmm. opportunity to really kind of cover – uh, you know, what was happening there from your unique perspective, California, Connecticut. Um, you've seen a lot of where media has been. Uh, where do you see traditional and digital media two years or even five years from now? Um, you're asking the $64 billion question in some ways. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think increasingly you are going to see more and more people migrate. Uh, It's happened already, but online, digital first. Um, um, So I think there will be more and more uh, consumption from phones, mobile phones. This has been happening for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the business models are probably going to move towards um, that reality because the the delivery system, i.e. phones or whatever, internet, um, also, really, they don't—they're not determin- deterministic, but they help influence how you how you pay for things. Uh, and so, you know, when I talk to my kids, uh, they don't touch a newspaper. Hmm. Um, they get their news from different places, and it's usually from their phones. Um, they're young, but frankly, I know people my age who never touch a newspaper either now, and they they go to their phones. I think um, in many ways, um, 
I, I'm trying to, I'm using a lot of words basically, Tom, to say I don't, I think that nonprofit media outlets will, that sector of journalism will grow. Um, and part of the reason I say that is because we are part of a trade organization, um, the Institute for Nonprofit News. We were the 60th member in 2012. They're up to 220 now in seven years. Wow, 60, so, like 6 so, Six oh yes, and so wow. we we thought we were kind of one of the one of the uh, you know latecomers. Well, right now we're in the first like quarter of folks. Um, so and it's for, the, so yeah, so from that perspective, then um, which of your colleagues outside of New Mexico are doing it well that others in the industry can look to and say, oh, you know what, that's a good that's a best practice right there. They're they're doing it right. I, I think, you know, there's some big ones that always people point to, uh, and that's, you know, the Texas Tribune, mm-hmm. uh, especially around revenue generation. They're very big, and they had a business plan on the front end. They had a business plan before they started. Um, I think, uh, you know, the Center for Public Integrity in, in Washington, D.C., this is an organization that's been around for 30 years. Um, but they're, uh, you know, they just they won a Pulitzer for, uh, they were probably the first nonprofit to win into Pulitzer several years ago about on coal. Um, I think some of the smaller ones, um, you know, I would look to um, the, I, there's the C and I'm going to get this wrong. The C, the Connecticut health team in Connecticut, which has been covering um, health news. Um, there is um, the Midwest center for investigative reporting, which is uh you know, reporting on ag, um, th- there are so many different. I, I think they're doing a good job of revenue and also covering something that, that frankly, a lot of us who don't live in the Midwest uh, don't know about, which is how the, the, the money around and the markets around agriculture, which is a really big deal right now, right, especially right now, um, as we're talking about tariffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there are so many uh, figures. Um, there's a there's a there's a group out in Orange County, um, led by uh, Norberto um, um, and I'm Santana, and I'm I'm probably getting his name wrong. But they um, they are reporting uh, from the ground up uh, and from the neighborhoods in Orange County, California. And, um, not, and basically, you know, Orange County has changed a great deal. This is just an example. Uh, it is no longer the Orange County of maybe 30 years ago when we lived in, in California. You would think of Orange County. Um, this is Orange County where you have a ton of immigrants. And so uh, this is someone who's identified a, 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 a gap in coverage, and they've, they've actually covered this in a way – uh, that they were ahead of the curve. I, I don't think Norberto and his crew were as surprised by the rest of the nation when the Democrats took over Orange County, which is a primary, it, it's historically a very conservative, it's been represented by Republicans for decades. Oh, yeah. And so they were able to identify something on the ground that maybe others did not. I, I remember Sam Seaborn from the West Wing <laughs> and the California <laughs> yeah. 47th, you know. <laughs> right, right. So, Trip, I've got to call you out. I, during our interview today, we've heard this little chirping in the background. I feel like I'm morally obligated to say, Trip, you need to change the batteries in your smoke detector. 
You are correct, Tom. I'm, but I'm going to play the journalist card here and say I'm just trying to help other people remind them that they need to change their detectors like you are reminding me right now. So uh, go out and change your detectors. Make sure they're working, folks. That was right on cue. Uh, this is Tom Garrity. I've been speaking with Trip Jennings uh, with New Mexico In-Depth. Trip, how can people uh, connect with you online if they want to learn more about New Mexico In-Depth? Um, you can certainly uh, go to our site, nmindepth.com. Um, you can read our stories there. You can sign up for – when you're there, you can sign up for our newsletters uh, and emails. We try to send out a weekly newsletter where we tackle either stories we've done or uh, you know, kind of have um, uh, kind of like just takeouts as in thoughts on big issues uh, in front of New Mexicans. Um, and of course, you know, if, uh, you feel the urge, you can always, you know, hit the donate button too, because, uh, nonprofit journalism, we're trying to make a go of it. And, um, it's, uh, it's an interesting time to be in media, um, where, uh, everybody's trying to figure out that kind of like funding question, but, uh, that's probably the easiest way. Email, uh, if you want to sign up uh, for our newsletters or emails or go to our site, nmindepth.com. Outstanding. Well, for those of you who have not had the chance to meet or interact with Trip, uh, Trip and I also uh, sometimes share the same table at New Mexico in Focus on New Mexico PBS. And it's always a pleasure to just kind of sit back and go to school and learn about what Trip has been working on over at New Mexico in depth uh, whenever he's on uh, that particular program. And so uh, I hope our paths cross there soon because it's always a good day when I have a chance to hear you speak on that program. Feel the same way, Tom. It's always fun. Trip yeah. Jennings, first recipient of the New Mexico First Award for Spirit of Journalistic Excellence. Congratulations. This concludes the Perception Podcast. This is Tom Garrity. Thank you for joining us. For more podcasts like this, visit GarrityPR.com or connect directly through AboutPerception.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.